Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul Podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today on Sense of Soul, one of my favorite humans is joining me again, Neil Donald Walsh. He's the author of the Conversations with God series. To many who have read his inspiring books will often express how they were life-changing. Neil's conversations with God has redefined God and shifted spiritual paradigms around the globe. He's joining us today to tell us about his 40th newly released book, a part of the Common Sentient series called God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power where he shares how God talks to you in a hundred ways across a thousand moments, using feelings, words, images, ideas, metaphors, and events that can change your life. So please welcome again, Neil Donald Walsh. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. So great to be with you again. Well, thank you. That's a nice thing to say. So how have you been? Let's see. Pulse is okay. Temperature's okay. Teeth are not falling out. I guess I've been okay. <laughs> well, I'm excited. So you are releasing your 40th book? Yes, I know. It's ridiculous. I just can't shut up. I'm having a hard time just getting out my first. But you know what? It's kind of like lovers. After the first one, it becomes easy. You know, I was thrilled to see that this book was coming out because I feel like right now, more than ever, do we need for God to speak to us? And more importantly, do we need to listen? I think that's true for sure. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of fear in the world. There's been a lot of things going on. In some sense, as as much as I feel like there is this great awakening, but I also feel like we're going backwards too. Well, I agree with you. Uh, in some ways, for sure, what I notice is that sometimes evolution works in that kind of a spiral situation where we take one step forward, two steps back, or one step forward and two steps back. And then sometimes it reverses order and we take two steps forward and one step back. But I do think that it's a part of a process where we sometimes step in a sense, backward, in order to make certain, to make sure, to be positive that what we imagine ourselves to have come to understand is true. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going on right now, that we are revisiting so much of what we've come to understand to see if it's true and if it works. And I think that's an important question that human beings are invited to ask themselves as well, which is, uh, is it possible that there's something we don't fully understand here about life, about who we are, and about God, for that matter? 
the understanding of which would change everything. When I think that there's something we're just not understanding, the understanding of which would change the entire way we experience life on our planet. So I think that we're going backward in a sense, revisiting old behaviors, especially behaviors of violence, in order to confront that question. What is it we don't understand about who we are, about why we're here on the earth, about the portion of our life experience that some people call God? Obviously, there's some missing element, something we don't understand. The understanding of which would change everything. So, in that sense, so that I'm not misunderstood, because no one welcomes what's going on in the world today, but in that sense, it's almost something for us to embrace with awareness and use, something for us to use to benefit our entire species. Let's use the turmoil of this day and age as a tool with which to benefit our evolutionary process. So we have to decide. We have to make a really major personal decision. With regard to world events and the events in my own individual life, who am I? Who, who I mean, really, who am I? Am I a, a physical specimen? You know, like a bird in the sky or a fish in the sea? Basically, just another life form. You know, sophisticated. Okay, fair enough. More sophisticated than some of the other life forms. Although there's a question about that. There are those who say that dolphins and whales act even more civilized than we do in their community of like species. I mean, dolphins don't eat each other. They don't attack each other. But people have not asked themselves that central question. Who am I? I think if we confronted that question in a serious way and answered it in a way that approaches the truth of our being, we could reach critical mass with regard to the number of people who've done so. And then the first domino would fall. And our behavior as a species on the planet would and could change. That's my thought about it. I could, of course, be wrong about all of that. But I don't think so. You know, recently I was looking at the first story in the Bible, right? Garden of Eden. And the story of the forbidden fruit and the tree of knowledge, that discernment of what is good and bad. And looking from just one perspective or on a small scale, you know, we know what's right from wrong. However, when you move back from that, and as you get further and further, it becomes like distorted because what I may see as bad, one might see as good. Yes. Well, conversations with God told me something interesting along the lines of what you're just saying. I was told in in my dialogue, Neil, no one does anything inappropriate given their model of the world, which is just really what you're saying. 
What works for one person does not work for the next. What feels right to one person feels decidedly wrong to the next person. How do we reconcile those individual differences between people? How can one world leader be doing things that another world leader thinks are completely against the natural order of things? And the same would be true for spiritual leaders and political leaders. Titans at the head of the world's biggest businesses and industries. Authors, writers, I mean, yeah. So what we are being invited to do by life, I think, is to change our model of the world. Is it possible for all or most of us to agree at least on some fundamental principles of our model of the world. That's why I wrote a book called The God's Solution, which came out just a couple of years ago, which talks about what we could do as a civilization, talks about a belief that the largest number of us could embrace, and that if we did embrace that particular single belief, we could change the world overnight. You know, I was in a circle not too long ago. I was invited some time at the end to pray and just reflect. And instead of praying, I kind of was asking for wisdom. And I received it. And I was very surprised because it was very quickly. And in looking at it, like, there's no way I could have came up with something so quickly. It was really true, like wisdom. It was very simple, too. It was... Two and two equals four. You finally got it. <laughs> Pretty much. But really, you know what it said? This is what came to me. And I felt like it was a feminine energy telling me this because it was like she spoke to me and said, I belong to no one. Not no one, but no one. And I am home to all. And I sat with it for days and just in amazement as well as how quickly I received it. It literally just came flooding in. And as simple as it was, I thought it was so wise. Not only is it so wise, it's the basis of a book that you could write. Mm -hmm. What if you wrote a book? What a daring book to write. God belongs to all. That could be your next book. <laughs> no, that would, that would be your next book. What, uh, where do you live? In Colorado. And, what, and how old are you? I'm 47. Oh, you just look 24. <laughs> Good genes. I guess. Okay. So... Yes, you should write a book. God belongs to all. I dare you. What would stop you from writing such a book? If you write such a book and you complete it by the date that we agree, I'll write the forward to it and introduce it to all of my readers. Wow, I may take your challenge. 
it's an important message, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's a very important message. And if it serves you, I'll write the forward to it. My goodness. I can't think of any bigger honor. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in that moment that I received that message, it was like a conversation with God. Well, that God was talking to me. I belong to no one. I belong to all. What I, I mean, come on. You can't let that information, that particular piece of wisdom, and the brilliance with which it was stated go to waste. I insist that you yeah, write I... that into a book immediately. Thank you. Wow. I mean, I see the divinity in it, and it stuck with me. Yes. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. So God talked to me, like the name in your book. Yeah, your she book. talks to everybody all the time. And I have an opportunity to listen. It's a choice. I agree. And some people do listen, but they call it something else because they're afraid of being ridiculed or maybe marginalized. So they call it an epiphany or a sudden inspiration or a brilliant idea or, you know, women's intuition, whatever we can get away with calling it. So, because if we said, well, God said this to me, you know, people would look at us askance, or they might even accuse us of blasphemy. Some, you know, some religions even say, you can pray to God, but if you say that God talks directly to you, you're committing blasphemy, heresy. That's said to be an ecclesiastical sin in many religions. So, but the fact is that God is talking to all of us all the time. How does he talk to us? In a million different ways across a thousand moments. A certain feeling that would hit us, an idea that drops into our mind out of thin air, the words on the billboard as we're driving around mm -hmm. the highway and turn a corner. And there's you know, eight words on a billboard that just happen to answer a question we've had in our mind. Or the article on the front page of a magazine that's been sitting at the hairdresser for three months. It's an old magazine just left there for customers to pick up and read while they're waiting. And it also it just happens to be about something we've been deeply thinking about. The chance utterance of a friend on the street. The lyrics of the next song you hear mm -hmm. on the radio. So God talks to us in a hundred different ways across a thousand moments in our lives. There's no one way. I remember there was a time, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I was very stressed out, just got divorced and I had three kids and I was a single mom for the first time. And I had spent all of my life raising kids that I didn't ever do anything for myself. So I didn't know what to do. It was very scary. What was odd is that I felt like I couldn't pray. And I remember this very distinctly because it was troublesome. But hearing you speak just now about that, uh, this came up for me because this memory that maybe it was that I just wasn't listening. Yes, that's true for, I'm sorry to say, the largest number of people. Or maybe they are listening occasionally, but they dismiss it. They dismiss what they're hearing. 
a, you know, they say, what's well, a figment of my imagination, or I just made that all up, or, you know, they, they dismiss it rather than pay attention to the information that they're receiving. So, yes, that's been my observation, not only of most people that I've seen, but of my own life. I wasn't paying attention to my so-called conversations with God until I was 53 years old. What was going on with me when I was in my 20s or my 30s or my 40s or even the first years of my 50s? What was happening? Why did it take me so long? to not only listen, but to pay attention. So, and, and then to accept what I was hearing, what I was receiving in all those different ways, and to accept it for what it was, insights from the divine. I'm going to have to write a, an article one day called Insights from the Divine. I'm taking that. That's a good title. So, yeah, it's been my observation for sure. It took me a long time to take God seriously. I was driving home from a party when I was around, uh, I don't know, 47 years old or somewhere like that. It was 2.30 in the morning. I was coming home from a cast party. I found myself involved in a local theatrical production, and I was coming home from the cast party. And, you know, it's 2.30 in the morning, so nobody's on the road. The roads are totally empty. I come to a stop sign. I stopped, of course. But then I hit the accelerator to move through the intersection. And I heard or felt, I can't even describe it, just the message just came to me. As if someone was screaming in my ear, stop. I don't know where it came from or why, but for no apparent reason, I followed the impulse because, you know, I just felt that I was given an order. Stop. So I slammed on the brakes. And just as I did, another car came across the intersection from left to right in front of me. He was a young kid. I could see as he whizzed by. He must have been 19 years old, 18 years old, some young guy going, who knows, 65 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone, zipping through the intersection. I'm sure he thought, you know, nobody's there. And he was going so fast that when I first got to the intersection and looked left and right, there was nobody there. Just that fast. He must have come around the corner and zipping through that intersection. But the point being, if I hadn't slammed on the brakes for no visual reason, I just did it because I was, in a sense, told to do it. If I hadn't slammed on the brakes, I wouldn't be here to talk about it. Nor would that young man. We would have both left the planet in the same moment, I'm sure. would have been a horrible, horrible accident. So how does God talk to us? Wow. And not just about important things like saving your life and stopping, but sometimes about incidental things. I have a deep allergy to shellfish. I discovered that when mm -hmm. I was younger. If I eat shellfish, I go into anaphylactic shock. But before I realized I had that allergy, I had shellfish one time, and I almost died. I literally went into anaphylactic shock. I couldn't breathe. My system shut down. Within five minutes, I was like, ah! I didn't know what was going on. Thank goodness that people around me said, hey, there's something wrong with Neil, and they raced me, threw me into the backseat of the car, and 
raced me to a hospital. And thank goodness as well that I was only like five or six blocks, as it happened, from the nearest hospital. And they injected me, you know, with what they needed to put into my system to counteract the shellfish. But I bring up the story for a reason, because years later, I was at a wonderful hostess party. Some lady had gathered some people together, and I was among them, and she was having a dinner party. And I said to her, for no apparent reason, I don't even know why, she was bringing the food out to the table. All the guests were sitting down at the table. And I said, out of the blue, there wouldn't be any shellfish in, in any of this, is there? She said, well, yes, actually, in, in the salad, there is. I said, oh, boy, am I glad I asked you that question. And I don't even know why I asked. Mm -hmm. I just felt an impulse. So, you know, whether it's about something important, like stopping at a stop sign, or something incidental, like, what are the ingredients on this salad? You know, not a question you'd normally ask in somebody's home. Or something right. totally innocuous. Whatever it is that might come to us. I think that God is talking to us in a thousand ways across a million moments in our lives. Synchronicity. CWG told me there's no such thing as coincidence. Nothing happens by chance. It's almost magical. It's divine. Yeah. Yeah, well, I that's... try to lean into my synchronicities. You know, I try to follow them. It's never, ever been a bad decision when I have. <laughs> that's usually the case. Almost always true. Or the older we get, the more cynical we get. Or the more we're, even if we're not cynical, we're, we're dismissive. As I said earlier, we just say, oh, that's my imagination. Or we even say, well, it's a great synchronicity, but we don't see it in any kind of spiritual sense. We just say, well, it's kind of an interesting coincidence. But as we open up to the larger realities of life, we start to see the truth. Oh, I see. No such thing as a coincidence. Yeah. And the synchronicities of life. There was a book about that. James, somebody or another wrote a book about that. <laughs> Redfield? Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. James Redfield. So in your book, God Talk, in your new book, you tell a lot of stories of in the ways, in the different ways that God, you know, has spoken to people. I love that you use stories because I feel like that humanizes us almost, you know, it it's like, oh, you too. Like we can find a piece of us and everyone in that way. Yes, I have to say, I can't take credit for that. The publisher actually did that. They called me and said, would you write us a little book about how people might be able to have their own interaction with the divine? I said, I'd love to write such a book. So I did. But then they, the publisher, put a call out on the internet to people saying to the public, if you've ever felt that you've had an interaction with the divine, some kind of divine intervention, send us your story. And and many, many people, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of people sent their stories in to the publisher. And then they picked out seven, six or seven of the best stories and put them in my book. 
and said, I can we that. add these to your book to show people that you're not the only one who has received you know, divine intervention? I said, absolutely. So I can't take credit for it. It was their idea and all of their doing. But I was happy to have those stories included in the mm -hmm. book for sure. I love that. Because I love, you know, it's one of the best things that I get to do as a podcaster and talk to people like you and hear these stories. And, yes. you know, I would be dead if I didn't gain so much wisdom from all of these conversations. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's true, but I'm glad you feel that you're benefiting. I feel blessed. That's for sure. Nice. Yeah. Because it's through stories, which my dad was a storyteller, always told stories. Sometimes they were ridiculously funny stories, <laughs> but they always had a lesson. You have three children? I have four now. Mm -hmm. How old are they? 26 to 11. But besides sense of soul, my kids have always been everything. So this is the one thing that is doesn't have to do with them, which... They probably all get a little jealous of. Yeah, sure. You're not supposed <laughs> to do anything that doesn't have to do with, with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's so true. But, you know, they've learned a lot through my journey, too. As I learn and I grow, they do, too. If you change, then everything around you changes, too. But it starts with you. Yes, if everyone worked on themselves and healed themselves and connected with God within themselves, what would the world look like? It would be wonderfully different for sure. Peace on earth and goodwill yeah. to human beings everywhere. Because one of the hardest things to do, I think, when you are on that journey for yourself is like, you know, you have to love yourself and unconditionally forgiving yourself for whatever. Do you think that, that God forgives you? Is it your understanding that God forgives you for anything? Totally true. You know, I grew up a Catholic, so I've got the conditioning. <laughs> See, God will never forgive you for anything. It's really important to understand that. God will never forgive you for anything. When I say that to some people, they, they really get upset with me. I've been given the opportunity to talk in a few churches through the years, and I always open my little time with people by saying, I'm glad you came here this week to this church service. I'm honored to be able to speak to you, and I thought I would share with you that God will never forgive you for anything. And people mm -hmm. get up and walk out of the church. They're, they're furious. Who is this guy, this new age author, who says God doesn't forgive us for anything? But it's very simple because God cannot be hurt, injured, damaged, upset, mm -hmm. or angered in any way. Any more than we can be hurt, injured, or angered by a 16-month-old yeah. child. Good you point. know, if your three-year-old daughter spills the milk at the kitchen table, reaching for the chocolate cake because she's so excited, it's her birthday, and we bring out the chocolate cake, and she goes, oh, my favorite. And she reaches for the chocolate cake and knocks over the milk and spills the milk over the entire table and it ruins the entire party. 
Mommy doesn't say, it's okay, sweetheart. Mommy forgives you. I mean, no mommy would do that because mommies understand that forgiveness is not part of the equation because mommies understand how a child could do such a thing. And while the child is crying because she spilled the milk and ruined everything, mommy does not only, not only does mommy not forgive her, mommy comforts her in the moment of her so-called error because mommies mm -hmm. understand how a two-year-old could do such a thing. It's okay, sweetheart. Mommy understands. No big deal. We'll clean it up. No problem. No big deal. Have a happy, happy, happy birthday. And we do whatever we can to make sure the child feels good about herself, even in the moment when she feels terrible about herself. So forgiveness is not necessary. I was told in conversations with God, Neil, Neil, understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. Write that on your bathroom mirror. And so I took a felt-tip pen and I wrote that on my bathroom mirror. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. Even mm -hmm. self-forgiveness is not necessary. We simply understand how it could have happened that we did or said what we did or said. And we don't forgive ourselves. We simply understand. That doesn't mean that we condone it, that we approve of it, that we agree with it, that we want to repeat it. It simply means that we understand it and that we understand it so well that we wouldn't repeat it, even if we were given a chance to, because it's not who we are. So if I think that I have to forgive someone else for something that they've done to me, how arrogant of me to have forgotten who I am and who they are by imagining that I have to forgive them for something they've done. Wow. God says to me, Neil, have you forgotten who you are? You really think that your soul can be hurt, damaged, injured, aggravated, upset, frustrated? You are incapable of being injured or hurt in any way. Unless you think, of course, that this is who you are that you are, in fact, your body, or that your mind is who you are. If you think these are who you are, but Neil, Neil, these are just pieces of equipment, tools that you're using to advance the agenda of your soul. But your soul can't be hurt in any way any more than I can be, says God to us. So I take forgiveness off of the agenda I never forgive anybody for anything. And I never hope to be forgiven by anyone else. Rather, mm -hmm. I remember who I really am and who they really are. You know, you are such an amazing human. You give hope to the world. And you just are so wise. I'm so glad that you listen to God. I'm glad that I did too, although I'm going to reject the notion that I'm, to use your words, quote unquote, so wise. No one who knows me personally would, would say that about me. What? They would, 
you know, you know what they would say? They would say, I brought through some very wise sayings, some very wise messages, but I don't really demonstrate that wisdom in my daily life. I would like to, before I leave, it would be nice if I could get closer to stepping into the wisdom that I was given to share. I will acknowledge, I will say this much, I will acknowledge that I have shared the wisdom that I was given to share. And I've shared it, I think, effectively in the books that I've been gifted to produce, but I haven't lived into it. And people who know me are constantly saying to me, you should read your own books. Because they expect me to be a walking demonstration of what I believe God has shared with the world in those nine books. And uh, I have not been able to live up to But maybe I can get closer before I die so that at least I can put on my gravestone. You know, he tried his best. So I just want people to think that, that to be real clear, I don't see myself as a wise person, but I do see myself as a good reporter. <laughs> I spent years as a reporter for a newspaper, actually in real life. I'm making a joke. I actually was a reporter <laughs> for a newspaper. I was, I was a journalist, and I learned how to listen to people in important places and take good notes and come back and write a story about what they had to say. I learned that skill to the point where I became really quite good as as a journalist and wound up being the managing editor of a newspaper. So I'm not surprised that I had the skill to take good notes and pass them on. Now all I have to do is find the skill to live them. But you know, I don't feel too bad about that. Most college professors would say, we teach what we have to learn. So I've been adept at sharing what I have to learn. And I think that for myself, that's been my experience. Like the more people I work with, the more I learn, you know, kind of like the teacher learns more from the student. Similar. Yes, that very often happens. Neil, thank you so much. Do you have any important messages that you've received from your conversations with God that may help all of us who feel the heaviness? I've been asked more than once, Neil, what do you think is the most important single message that you received in your conversations? So I guess I would share that with you at this point in our time together. The most important single message that I was given in conversations with God, Neil, sweetheart, your life is not about you. Your life is about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. But when you understand that, you will understand that in the largest sense, it turns out your life is about you. Because, Neil, there's only one of us in the room. All things are one thing. There is only one thing, and all things are part of the one thing there is.
Some people call that one thing God or the higher power. So, Neil, you are an individuation of the divine. And that doesn't mean that you are God any more than a wave is the ocean. But a wave is not something other than the ocean. It's simply an individual arising of the ocean in spectacular, powerful, beautiful form. And when the wave recedes back into the ocean, following its individual expression, it returns to that from which it arose. And that's your relationship with the divine. Mm. So, Neil, go out there and make waves. Were you ever a surfer? No, no, never even go near the water because, you know, I never did well in the water. Never a good swimmer. As a child, I wasn't allowed to get into swimming because I had a heart condition. So I couldn't do any activity, of any rigorous activity. So swimming was out for me. And so therefore, I, I couldn't even get into the deep end of the pool. I had always stay in the children's end of the pool because I couldn't Hmm. swim. No shellfish and no water. Hmm. (laughs) That's right. But that would be the most important message I would offer to people. Your life is not about Mm -hmm. you. It's about everyone whose life you touch. When we realize how many people are touched Mm -hmm. by our movement through the world, we suddenly start paying more attention to that. The joyful responsibility, God would say, the ability to respond, response, ability. You know how many people, since I've had you on before, who have said, oh, you're so lucky you had Neil Donald Walsh on and he broke me open. When I was in my lowest time, I read his book. He was the catalyst to my journey. I'm happy. If some people have felt that way, it makes me very humbly happy. And thank you for telling me that. It's a nice thing to think. All of us want to feel that something we've done in our life has served another. So thank Mm -hmm. you for those kind words. Have you ever met somebody who they didn't know it was you? And they're like, you need to read this book. (laughs) Yeah, I actually had that happen to be on an airplane. And the person next to me was reading my book. Incredible talk about synchronicity, incredible coincidence. But I didn't want to say to that person who I was. I I, I didn't want, so I kind of like let it slide. But after Mm -hmm. being on the plane together with her for about 45 minutes, I finally couldn't resist. I didn't want to tell her who I was, but I did want to find out what she felt about the book. I wonder what she would say to a total stranger on the airplane that she didn't know who I was. You know, the the publishers all wanted to put my picture on the cover of the book. I said, no, we're not doing that. So she had no way of knowing who I was. So I said to her, I'm curious to know. Excuse me for interrupting, but I noticed that you're reading a book. I I saw the cover, Conversations with God. I said, is it a good book? What's your experience of it? And she said, yes, this book is really changing my entire understanding. A very deep injury that I received in my life. She said, yes. And she gave me all the reasons why she thought it was a book that really impacted her in a powerful and positive way. I said, oh, thanks. Mm -hmm. She said, yeah, you should get a copy and read it. (laughs) So 
I said, thank you. And I got up and I went to the little washroom on the airplane. And I stood in that washroom and kind of cried for about two minutes because I, I didn't want to react to her right in front of me. But I was like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for helping me to put something into the world that another person felt benefited from. It was a wonderful feeling. This interesting moment in my life, total stranger <laughs> telling me I should read this book. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And of yeah. course, I knew I should have brought tissue to this interview. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people are crying because they have to have me on. I doubt that. Crying because they're so happy to have you on. <laughs> oh, I thought they were crying because they had no choice, but they had me on. You know, you did say you were going to be my co-host last time. <laughs> I've been waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> it's been wonderful to spend this time with you. Thank you for the opportunity to share these moments with you. As I said earlier, all of us certainly have the hope that mm -hmm. some some small thing we may have done would bring benefit to another. So in addition to giving life to four individuals and bringing them through their developing years to bring them to their adulthood, in addition to that, which is an unspeakably beautiful gift, but in addition to that, other gifts that you've given as well. So nice going, blessings to you. Thank you, Neil. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of Sense of Soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one -on -one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.